Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me. We're looking at Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 9. And as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word living and active, your word that speaks to us right where we are. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear from your holy word, your voice speaking to us of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Every year around this time, preachers around the world, they ask themselves, How can I get my people to take the resurrection seriously? How can I get a people that are so protected, so insulated, so unacquainted with mortality to think seriously about life? And death. I was in the same place myself, praying about this message, and, and then cold and flu season came along. COVID-19 has changed our world. It has changed every one of us. It has changed the way that we work. It has changed the way that we meet. It has changed the way that we shop. It's, it's changed the way we do church. It's changed the way we greet one another with the, the handshake, non-handshake, elbow, no touch. It's changed everything. It's changed the way we've washed our hands. My uh, fifth grader asked me, Dad, with coronavirus around, if you drop the soap, is the soap dirty or is the floor clean? We all have to ask these big questions now, these great existential questions. Every one of us has become an epidemiologist, but we recognize how terrible it is. Thousands have lost their lives, many here in Colorado, and we pray for an end to this. We pray for the Lord to have mercy, to bring a cure for this virus, to bring treatments that save lives, to allow us to get back to life as we've enjoyed it. And we also pray that all of the restrictions that we've made would help to lessen the threat of the flu that takes 600 lives in Colorado each year. But it has forced us all to stop, to take the measure of our lives and, and to recognize that we are fragile and 
mortal creatures, every day is a gift. Today is Easter. And Christians around the world are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus as they have done year after year, as we have done, as we have done in good times and bad, during war and during peace, during, during uh, famine, during plague, as we have lifted the name of Jesus from the Roman catacombs and from World War II bunkers, we lift the name of Jesus. We lift the name of Jesus again. It's Easter, and Jesus is risen from the dead. In fact, that's what we say. We say Christ is risen. He is risen Indeed. It's a tradition that Christians say this. It goes back so far back, we don't know where it began, but, but Christians say this in all branches of Christianity, in all different languages, in all different countries. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In fact, I want us to say that together. So you might just say that to the person next to you, and if you're alone, just say it with me. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It's almost like we need to remind ourselves, like, I stop believing it, I, I lose confidence in it. Christ is risen, right? I didn't just imagine it. He came up out of the tomb, right? He, he's walking around again, right? That, that, was, that was not just a dream. Christ is risen, isn't he? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We've been studying the life of Jesus of Nazareth, kind of from a historian's point of view. Like if you were a reporter, what would you write down? Studying the different things that Jesus went through in his life. Because we, we heard about a Barna research survey a few years ago that asked people, was Jesus a real person in history or was Jesus, Jesus just a, a legend or a myth? And, and here's what people said. 23% of the people asked said Jesus was a legend or a myth. 17% of them said, I I'm not sure. Maybe he was real. Maybe not. But friends, Jesus was a real person in history. He lived. And he, he, he's, he was just as real as, as you and I. And today we talk about something that happened very publicly. Jesus of Nazareth died. We have historical record of this. More than we would have of most people of that time period, we know that Jesus of Nazareth died. Jesus was arrested, beaten, and publicly executed outside the walls of Jerusalem at the hands of a man named Pontius Pilate. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. That's a part of the Apostles' Creed that could have a footnote on it, and the only part that the footnote would lead to a Roman historian. You see, there's a Roman historian named Tacitus who was also a senator, and in 110 A.D., he wrote the Annals of Roman History, and he wrote about how Emperor Nero had blamed the Christians for a fire that had burned down a part of the city of Rome. And here's what Tacitus wrote. He said, Christus, Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. Jesus was arrested and flogged, and he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem where he was crucified. We know he died. But what happened 
next. Let me catch you up. See, Jesus, he was born. He was born into the mess of this world just like you and I were. And Jesus went to be baptized in the River Jordan. He didn't need to repent and be baptized, but he he was baptized to take our place, to associate with our need to be redeemed. He knelt down in the waters of baptism. He talked about the kingdom of God, a place where people were made whole and were at home with God. But he didn't just talk about it. He enacted the kingdom of God through miracles and demonstrations. And Jesus, he claimed authority. He claimed authority to forgive sins. He claimed authority over the Sabbath. He claimed authority over the the Mosaic Law and the Hebrew Scriptures. He claimed authority that only God could have. He came to Jerusalem and stood fearless against powers that would pervert religion for profit. And he died. He was crucified. They checked to make sure that he was dead before they took his body down. And then they gave the body to Joseph of Arimathea. At least they gave him what was left of it. After the beating, after the whipping that flayed the flesh off of his back, after the crucifixion that would have pulled his arms out of joint, out of socket, after the nails that tore his hands and feet, They gave the body to Joseph. We know he died. A reporter on the scene would tell you that. Jesus had said that he would die, and he said that his death would have a purpose. In fact, when he he gathered with his friends, his disciples, the night before all of this happened, he was taking bread and and eating with them, and he took bread and, and he broke it in front of them, and he said, look, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. My body is something that I'm going to give away for you. And then he took a cup. He poured wine in it and he said, This cup is a new covenant, a new promise between you and God. Uh, Like like the the rainbow, uh, it's a promise that God will take care of you, that God will remember you. This covenant is a covenant that says God will forgive you of your sins, that he will hold on to your life forever. It's a covenant, a promise, sealed when I shed my blood and pour it out on your behalf. For the forgiveness of sins, he said to them, please take and eat this. Take it. Drink it. Receive it. Believe it. Become it. It's a new way of life. It's as though Jesus was saying, when I die, I'm dying for you. I'm dying with a purpose. When I die, I'm dying to to absorb the the virus, to to suck the poison out of the world that infects humanity. Jesus was saying, in effect, I'll be sick, you be well. I'll be paralyzed on the cross, you walk free. I'll take the pollution, you breathe in health. The death I die will be on purpose for you. And he died. So it might be true. It might be true because he died. Joseph of Arimathea took the body. 
Usually they were left to hang there and just be eaten by birds or, or at some point be removed and tossed into a common grave. But Joseph, he had enough influence to convince the Roman leaders to give him the body. And he took it and laid it into a tomb that he had made nearby. Are we sure that he was dead? The historian has to ask, but the answer is yes. Romans knew how to kill. The loss of blood, the, the crucifixion, the, the, the spear in the side to check. Jesus, Jesus was not asleep. He, he was not swooning when they laid him down in that tomb. Jesus was dead. The tomb was sealed, shut with guards in place. There were to be no misunderstandings. The movement of Jesus of Nazareth was over. And then something else happened. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook. They became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now, there are different sites in Jerusalem claiming to be the site of the tomb, and, and I don't claim exactly that that's the one, but it's a funny thing. You go to e either one of these places, both of these places, and people are lined up all day long, just squeezed in together, shoulder to shoulder, just inching forward for a chance to see something that isn't there, for a chance to look at a place where something isn't. There's no body. I was in Safeway a few weeks ago and, and uh, was picking up a few things and, 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 of course, the toilet paper aisle was just nothing, nothing on the shelves. But I also had to pick up ramen, ramen noodles. And I got around to where the ramen noodles are supposed to be and guess what? Gone, nothing. And there I was with myself and about four others sort of social distancing ourselves apart and, and looking, just staring at the place where ramen noodles are supposed to be. You know, at some point, we've got to have a look at what isn't there. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. No body. But wasn't the resurrection just a hoax? Wasn't it just some well-meaning people who started a rumor or something? Well, here's the thing. Anybody could run over and check. And the Roman officials had an interest in verifying his death. And the Jewish leaders had an interest in verifying his death. And everyone who was in power had an interest in verifying that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was dead and buried. And they never found the body, and they never uncovered, uncovered any kind of a plot. And friends, what kind of a plot would it be anyway? A useless lie to wreck your life and ruin your family. What, what sense does that make? 
No, the only thing that makes sense. The only thing that makes sense. Nobody stole the body. He wasn't asleep and woke up. Remember, remember what his body would look like if that were the case. If he had survived this thing, what would the resurrection body, what would the, what would the Jesus that people saw look like? No, nobody stole the body. Jesus didn't wake up from sleep. The only thing that makes sense is that Jesus of Nazareth was killed on a cross and he was placed in a tomb. And shortly after, the tomb was empty, the place where he lay had no body, and tens and then hundreds testified that they saw and spoke to Jesus after he had died. Resurrection. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Right? Jesus promised new life. Jesus promised forgiveness of sins, a new relationship with God, a new order. He promised all of these things, that his death would be a meaningful sacrifice to establish a new covenant with God. These were his promises. Now, he died, and so it might be true. Jesus said his death would accomplish these things, and he died, so it might be true. It might be true. But if he rose, then it's no more might be true. If he rose from the dead, then friends, it is true. God has verified it. God has validated all the promises that Christ made because God has pulled him up out of death and into life again. The grave is empty. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. At some point, each one of us has to come to terms with what isn't there and start to imagine what is. If he died for us, it might be true. But if he rose from the dead, friends, it is true. It is true. Resurrection. Death doesn't have the final word. Friends, we are straight across this globe. Every culture, every language, every country, we are locked in mortal combat against this virus. And we're stepping forward and say, we want to live. And we want our friends to live. And we want our elders to live. And we want to beat this virus down. And we have resolved we will do all it takes. We need a cure. And in times like this, times of grief and loss and waiting, it's easy to start to believe that God has turned His back on us. He's turned His face away from us. It's, it's almost like Psalm 13. It says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Friends, even Jesus felt that when he went down to the grave, when he went down into death. Where is your face, Lord? Give light to my eyes. And then, the resurrection. We need a cure. And you know, some are saying the cure, it's in the blood. In the blood of survivors are antibodies that could bring us a cure. 
And I don't know if medically, if that's how we're going to get past this, but it strikes me this morning. The cure is in the blood. Jesus of Nazareth, he came and he died and he rose again from the dead. Jesus, he took on the curse of the world. Jesus drew out the poison that leads to death. Jesus soaked up the sinfulness and selfishness and brutality of fallen mankind. He took it to the cross and he took it down to the grave and there it died and he with it and then he rose. Every little flower that you see today, every little green shoot that pops up from the soil, every little, little, little plant that seems to fight its way up in these weeks of spring, just before that moment, remember, that little plant, that little bulb knew what it was to be under the surface of the earth, down in the dark and in the cold and somehow reaching up. Every seed that falls into the ground, it dies, but it's there that it finds life or life finds it and it reaches up and it pushes up from under the surface of the soil until it breaks out and it finds the light, the sun, new life, resurrection. Friends, we will rise again for Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that that power can be something that you know and experience right now where you are. And I believe that maybe Christ is speaking to you in a new way, that you're hearing things about Jesus that you've never understood before. And that now, right now, is the moment for you to open your heart to Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. And you can do that simply, easily. You need only pray. You need only look to the cross, look to Jesus, and open your heart to him. And so I invite you to follow me in prayer. Make this prayer your own. Lord Jesus, thank you for your life. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for forgiveness in your name. I want my life to be hidden in yours. Take my life and help me to believe and follow you in all that I do. To the glory of your holy name, my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.